This is the Impact Church Podcast. Here at Impact, we believe a powerful word at the right time can help you overcome any challenges you are facing. Wherever you are listening or whatever you're going through, we pray this message speaks exactly to your need. Enjoy. But I'm so glad that God got something for us that's big tonight. Amen? Amen. Amen. Glad to be in the house tonight. I'm going to ask you, I got a word for you. I'm going to ask you to check out your digital device and open up the YouVersion Bible app where you'll be able to follow along with the scriptures. Uh, we're going to build from tonight until tomorrow, so I'm going to give you everything tonight. But you can keep take notes for yourself tonight. And, um, and while you are doing that, let me just encourage you about a couple things. Um, how many of y'all did the Bible in a year last year? Put your hands up if you, if you did it. How many of y'all started it last year? Uh, I see you. All right. All right. I want to encourage you to jump in again this year. If you have not received a link, go check in with your host leader or take in one of those communication cards. If you're not in a group, let's get you plugged into one where you can do the Bible in one year. It starts on Tuesday the 3rd. Tuesday the 3rd. Someone say Tuesday the 3rd. Tuesday the 3rd. Amen. Two other quick things I want to encourage you about. If you believe God's got something big for you, how many know that no matter what you do, I don't care if it's sports that you're getting ready for. It really doesn't matter what. If you feel like in your career that you have a career, there's sacrifices that you make in order to go to that next level. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, there's, there's folks that, that they want to be in the Olympics, so they don't, they don't have the same regiment that you and I have. They make sacrifices so they can be ready. I want to encourage you to make the sacrifice um, that we... That we uh, Actually, next Monday, a week from Monday, on the 9th of January, we're going to start our 21-day fast. And so we're going to email you information about that. If you believe God's going to do something big for you, you want to make sure you're in position for it. How about that? Amen. Amen. And the final things I want to encourage you about is, they had that up a moment ago, to, if money could talk. I, I mentioned Sunday that we're doing a, uh, tri- it's a trial and error. We're going to do a four-week online virtual Bible study. And it's really dealing with money. How many know when your money is funny, everything else is off? It affects everything. I mean, money affects pretty much every area of our lives. It affects our relationships. People divorce over money, right? It affects our health because we stress out over money. I mean, it, it affects the kind of jobs that we take because we need the money. So money affects uh, a lot of areas of our life, pretty much every area. And, and folks would be very surprised to know that Jesus spoke more about money than he talked about heaven and hell together, right? Because he understood the impact it could have on you. So on the 10th of of January, we're going to start a Tuesday night just for four weeks from the 10th, from 7 to 8, just one hour, video study, and we're going to look at your relationship with money and and then what Jesus has to say. I mentioned last Sunday that there's four categories you may find you fall into. Some of y'all are living the dream when it comes to money. Some of y'all will say, well, you know what, I'm going steady. A lot of us will say, well, it's complicated. And some of us will say, it's on the rocks. So we want to move you forward this year. So make sure if you have not signed up for that on our website, you could sign up for it and you can purchase your book. It's $15. It's only 25 available at the moment. If you want to get yours after service, go out in the lobby. You can get yours after service today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, let's jump in. Uh, We were just so excited this Christmas to have our children home with us, especially our newest addition. We have, a, I guess she's two months old now granddaughter that was here from Houston and got to hang out with us. We have two, we have two granddaughters right now. And they both um, have Spanish names, interestingly enough. 
Mila and Isabella, right? So, and they both can pass for Spanish. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened, but they, they, always, they both can pass for Spanish. As a matter of fact, the running joke is 100 years from now, when you look at all of our descendants, they're going to have a picture of me and Pastor Mona and say, now, where did y'all get them from? They just don't fit. <laughs> but anyway, so it was a blessing to have her. But when she was born two months ago, she was born on a Sunday night, so I left church that day and got there, and she was born. Pastor Mona was already there. And um, her mom and dad went to all the trainings, and, you know, y'all know about that if you've had kids, uh, all the things that the current models tell you that you should do, you know, to have not only healthy delivery, but a health, grow a healthy a baby. And so one of the things they had decided long before she got here was that they wanted just to give her breast milk only. And, um, and so she was born at eight pounds and two ounces, and, and, and so she was a healthy, healthy baby girl. But by the time she went home, and then that was a Sunday. By the time she went home and she kind of was fussy, wasn't, you know, uh, drinking so much and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and so they took her, they looked up a doctor because everybody was closed. I can't remember why we couldn't find anybody. But anyway, they found a doctor. And turned out this doctor that they found was uh, Marquise's, her dad's, um, pediatrician when he was little. He didn't even know it until he went. So she remembered him being little. And so she was honored to take care of, of their daughter. And... Um, and so when, we, when they got back to the house, the statement was made that basically the doctor says, don't really worry so much about breastfeeding now, but we want to put the baby on formula. Well, when you are a mother and you're trying to do your very best, and the mothers know what I'm talking about, and you want that baby to nurse, you want that baby to latch on, you want your milk to come in. So that was pretty disheartening. And the reason being was that we found out that her birth rate had decreased 10% from where she was born from. And once that happens, they, they say, we want to put you on a formula. And so Chantel was pretty, you know, pretty concerned. They were both pretty concerned because the ultimate thing was they didn't want her to become so satisfied. Now, get this. They didn't want her to become so satisfied with Similac or so satisfied with the supplement that she would reject the nutrient. And, 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 and it made me stop and think, you know, you know, how often is it that we also can become so satisfied with the supplements of the world? <laughs> Come on, somebody. That, 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 that we no longer have a hunger and a thirst for the things that only God can give us himself. And so if we're not careful, right, we can, become so, we can become so satisfied with brokenness that we're so used to it, we don't even desire wholeness anymore. Come on, somebody. We can become so satisfied in our emptiness that, that we have lost the hunger and thirst for fullness. We can become so satisfied in our carnality that we forget the goal is spirituality. Y'all ain't going to say nothing tonight. We can become so satisfied with what only we can do. We know what we can manage and move and turn around and how to pay Peter to rob Peter to pay Paul, but, but we become so satisfied often in what we can do that we have missed what only God can do. And so it, it's interesting because for Chantel, you know, as a new mom, the thing is that if, if the baby doesn't latch on, if the baby doesn't take, doesn't take the breast, the thing that could happen for mom is that her milk dries up. But see, when it comes to God, he's got a flow that's never going to run dry. And so there's no inability with God. There's no insufficiency with God. There's no inadequacy from heaven's resources. But here's what I know. 
It's not the fact that Chantel wanted her baby. It wasn't Chantel's desire for her child to have breast milk that was going to cause the baby to have breast milk that's going to cause her breast to produce. It's the demand that the baby puts on her. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. Mama can want it all she wants, but a baby doesn't demand it. It won't be produced. And what God is saying for you tonight is he's got so much more for you, but you've got to desire it. You've got to demand it. And if you desire it, and if you demand it, he says, wherever you come, I can go greater. Wherever you land, I'll land greater. God is looking for some folk that are looking for to him saying, God, I'm not sufficient in me, but you're more than able to do what I cannot do for myself. And you would be surprised. You would be surprised because, you know, the people that you think are so sufficient to do everything and handle everything, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but people that you think that got everything under control and got everything just the way it needs to be because we see them in their strength. But they know all of them, so they see themselves in their weakness. And I'm going to show you tonight that even as a child of God and even as a person of faith, that even we can mess up and find ourselves replacing the supplement that God wants to give us, the nutrient that God wants to give us with the supplement of our own doing. And you won't believe who I'm thinking of when I'm telling you about that, who we're going to look at tonight. Because we're looking at somebody who is weak in faith. We're looking at the father of faith. And how easy it is when you get a promise from God, when you believe in God for something more, how easy it is for all of us, first of all, to see our inadequacies. And then when we see our inadequacy, how we can put our own hand in it and mess things up. Come on, somebody. But I got some good news for you tonight. God has more for you. Let's look at Genesis chapter 17, and we only got 32 minutes. Well, no, no, no. They're going to start that countdown at 820. We're going to act like it's New Year's at 830 and go home. But anyway, um, Genesis 17. <laughs> when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will greatly increase your numbers. In other words, God said, Abram, I got more for you. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, as for me, this covenant is with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. That's something when you don't even have a son especially one by promise. He says, and I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. Mm. And that's what the whole Bible talks about, the book of Kings. It's a fulfillment of that, not to mention Jesus. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for future, for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you, the whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner. I will give an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Let me just give you quick context, and I'm going to dive more deeply into it tomorrow. But God comes to Abram, who does not know God, 
Abram was no special character. He comes to Abram, who first appears very small in Genesis 11, but in Genesis 12, God comes to him and says, essentially, I see somebody who's meek, and you're not trying to make your name great, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a great name because you're seeking to make my name great. And so God speaks to Abram and tells him that you're going to be the father of many nations. Now, at this point, Abram is 75 years old. His wife is very old as well. They have no children whatsoever. They're incapable, seemingly, of conceiving. And over the course of time, when you go back to the chapter before the chapter we're now in Genesis 16, we read the culmination of a nightmare that happens when, when Abram and Sarah realize, you know what? It's been, at this point, over 10 years since God gave us this word. Can you imagine going through, and some of you can, going through, Happy New Year! And it, Okay, well, that didn't happen in 2020. 2021, happy new year. Well, it still didn't happen. Okay, well, now it's 2022. And here we are at the brink of 2023. Can you imagine having a promise and nothing happens for 10 years? There's no movement. There's nothing. There's not even a, a false pregnancy. There's not even a missed, nothing. There's no evidence that what God said is ever going to come to pass in life. So what did they do in the midst of that? They decided, and y'all know what I'm talking about because I think we're all guilty of it. They decided that, you know, since... God didn't quite do what he said he was going to do. Sarah came to Abraham and said, you know, I got a suggestion. I got an idea. <laughs> Let us, why don't you take Hagar? You know, she could be, well, I won't say that, but she can be your second wife. Uh-huh, okay. Chick is better. I had something else, but anyway. <laughs> And, and maybe the Lord will work through my handmaiden to give a son. Yeah, that's the ticket. That's how God is going to fulfill his word. And how many of you know that when you attempt to help God, you make a big mess? What they were saying was, God is not able to do this through me and you, Sarah and Abraham, because we are inadequate. We don't have enough. We don't have the parts. We don't have what we need to make it happen. And God is not able to do it through us. He certainly cannot do it through my womb. So therefore, we got to help God with a different... And that's what inadequacy will make you do. When you feel inadequate, it'll make you look to other people to help you become adequate. You'll be thinking, I don't have what it takes, but if, but if he gives me this and says this about me, I'll be okay. If she does this for me and does that, I'll be okay. And what we find here with, with Abraham and, and Sarah is, particularly with Sarah dealing with Hagar, and I can just imagine, because when Hagar did conceive, and Hagar did have a son, and his name is Ishmael, and, and as Ishmael began to get older and be circumcised and all the things they did, they did to follow the Jewish law, I can just imagine that while Sarah was minding her business on TikTok, <laughs> she saw Hagar, and she saw Hagar with her baby Ishmael, and, and, and it made her feel some kind of way because she felt even more insecure and even more inadequate of herself. And then the Bible says, and I'm going to give you the first Don chapter 1 version. The Bible says that, 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 that Hagar began to despise Sarah in her eyes. In other words, she gave Sarah the side eye. Because every time we try to go to people, watch this, to get them to help us to be, 
feel adequate, we will always leave still feeling inadequate. Woo, that was somebody's deliverance right there. That was somebody's word right there. As long as you go to people, you put your adequacy in people, they will step on it, leave it. Half the time, they can't appreciate what you do bring because they're too busy, watch this, trying to deal with their own inadequacy. Sarah's sitting there thinking, oh, she got the baby, and she was able to do for my husband what I couldn't do for myself. And Hagar's probably thinking, yeah, but he's still your husband. And I'm still number two because she's dealing with her own inadequacy. Who are you looking for in your world, in your orbit, to make you feel adequate? Because that person is probably dealing with the inadequacy of their own. Jesus. So what they have done here, what they have done is, it's one thing to be promised. You're going to be a father of many nations. I'm going to give you a son, a, a, a seed of promise. And that would be Isaac. But then... They leave that because they feel inadequate, don't think God is able to do it for them, and they replace that with Ishmael. Let me say it this way. They downsize what God says. Well, I'll just be happy if. if We'll be happy with Ishmael. Why would you be happy with Ishmael when you were promised Isaac? But see, this is what inadequacy would make us feel like. Because see, when you feel inadequacy, watch this. You will upgrade or supersize your fries, but downsize your faith. You will supersize all the things that don't matter in life, but downsize your destiny. Downsize God's plan for your life. Downsize God's will. Downsize God's provision. But supersize the things that really don't matter. But I got a word for you tonight. Because God comes here in Genesis 17. And he visits Abram for a second time. First time, Genesis 12. Second time, Genesis 17. And, he, and the question is, why does God show up again? Because when God shows up this time, he doesn't say anything new. All those promises I read from Genesis chapter 17 were all the exact same promises that were shared in Genesis 12, Genesis 16. So why did God feel the need to show up? Maybe he showed up because he didn't want Abraham and Sarah to become so satisfied with the supplement. Maybe he showed up to let them know that even though you pull that together, that's nice, but that's not what I have for you. I still have more for you. And sometimes for you tonight, maybe it's not that he wants to give you a new word of source. Maybe he's giving you the same word as a word of confirmation that despite how long it's been, despite where you've fallen off, despite where you have fallen short, despite when you've used human effort or leaned to your own understanding, that God has not changed his mind concerning what he promised. He's still letting you know, I still have more for you. Now, the promises are not updated, but the introduction is. Sometimes you've got to reintroduce yourself to people. That's a different message. And that's exactly what God does here. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about how God appears here in the name that he decides to show himself as. The scripture says that the Lord appeared to him. I am God Almighty. 
That's one, it's rather two Hebrew words. I am God Almighty. I am God Almighty. He does not come, and by the way, I am God Almighty actually is, are you ready for it? El Shaddai. That's the first time it's ever used in Scripture. He does not show up and say, I'm Jehovah Nisi, your victory banner. He doesn't show up and say, I'm Jehovah Sidkenu, your righteousness. He doesn't show up and say, I'm Jehovah Jireh, my provision shall be seen in your life. He doesn't say, I'm Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals you. I know you got issues conceiving. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I'm Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, your shepherd. He says, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. But that's not the only thing that El Shaddai means. El Shaddai means the word Shad, Shad from Shaddai. The root word of Shaddai is Shad. And that simply, that points to the breast. And what it is communicating to us is that I am God all-powerful. Watch this. And as a breast is able to give that child exactly what he or she needs, so am I able to give you exactly what you or he or she or what you in the back need. I know your need and I can supply your need and my breast is powerful enough to give you just what you need when you need it to satisfy and to nurture you. And every time El Shaddai is used in the book of Genesis, and it's used 40 times in Scripture, but every time it's used in the book of Genesis, it is used in such a way that when there was a promise, but you come up short or you come up without the fruit that goes with the promise to signify that God Almighty is more than enough to give you what he promised and to keep his covenant with his people. Woo! He's a promise keeper, y'all. I said he's a promise keeper, y'all. He said if I said it, I'm big and bad enough to do it. I don't need your help. I don't need him. I don't need her. I don't need them. I'm big and bad enough to produce it myself. And I found out when I was studying, I found out about breast milk, a mother's breast milk. How unusual is this? That every mother produces something different in their breast milk. In other words, your breast milk won't be like her breast milk because the breast milk that a mother produces is specific for her child. He knows what you need. And he knows how to satisfy you. And then I read how a mother's breast milk, not only is it uh, different for each child, but it has the ability to adjust throughout the day for what that child needs. I wish I had somebody who understood that God knows how to meet your need. Abraham. As strong in faith as he was, still had weakness. He still had weaknesses. He still had inadequacies. We, we uh, played a game the other day. It was all of our children, their spouses, and a couple other people. We played a game. It really wasn't a game. It was the last. We played games, but at the end of the conversation, uh, one of my children said, well, what do you think, 
Who does everybody think their superpower is? Now, it's not this idea like the superpower you want, like, you know, some of us wish we could fly. Not those superpowers. But what is a strength that's on the inside of you that's unique in your life? Some of, some, one of them said, one of my daughter-in-law said discipline. Um, another one said, you know, to, to observe and to be able to see and to understand people. I mean, just a different focus. It was just different things that came up. And I thought about that because what I know about every strength, right, is that even Superman had weaknesses. And sometimes those weaknesses can be a kryptonite for us. And that sometimes the people that we think, oh, they're so, they got all, you know, like as an example, Taylor Swift, y'all know who she is, right? <laughs> oh, you, you thought of Kanye just that quick. <laughs> That's all you got to say, Kanye, right? But we watched a documentary about her when we were in Houston. It was really interesting to see how strong she was coming up as a songwriter, amazing songwriter. And she would sing, and just from little, you have home videos. But we're so interesting. By the time she got to that Kanye event, folks didn't know that she was, is, it, the fact, I think it was a Grammy Award, she was receiving her first Grammy. And it hurt her so bad because what Kanye didn't know and what we didn't know was that she was dealing with this sense of inadequacy before she even got there, that she didn't deserve it, she wasn't good enough, and she didn't belong. So when Kanye came up, it reinforced everything that she had already felt about herself, even in her strength. But what I love about God is, well, let me tell you just a bit more about Taylor Swift. I can't just leave a story hanging there. What I love about her story is that it was very recently, this year, the girl broke all kind of records. The top 10 songs, 1, 2, 3, 4, 7, 8, 9, 10, were all hers. That's never happened before. And folks wanted to go to our concert so bad. I don't know, did y'all hear about that? That they went to go buy her tickets and broke Ticketmaster. Broke it for the first time in history. And if I could tell you what I believe God wants to do in your life, that despite your inadequacies and despite what has happened to you so far, that God is able to give you more, just like in her story, how things opened up for her in ways that she would have never conceived or believed, that God wants to do more in your life than you've seen. And the fact of the matter is that El Shaddai is more than capable and able to overcome your inadequacies. And as a matter of fact, wherever you are not enough, he's more than enough. One of the definitions for El Shaddai is more than enough. God who is more than enough. He's able to sustain you and give you exactly what you need. It's, it's so interesting. Even on any given Sunday, it's interesting to hear when somebody will say, man, that sermon, boy, God really spoke to me. I said, really? Well, what did he say? And they'll say, he said, hey. I said, wow, I, that's powerful. A few minutes later, somebody else will come up. Man, that sermon really spoke to me. Really? Well, what did you get out of it? B. Woo! 
Lord, that thing hit me like a ton of bricks. B, B, B. And I said, isn't that something how God is able to have two people sit in the same house, hear the same word, and give each one of them exactly what they needed for where they were? That's El Shaddai working. That's El Shaddai working. And so what God, what God essentially does, he shows up to Abram and says, Abram, I still have more for you. You've put a demand on yourself and you couldn't produce. You've put a demand on your wife and she couldn't produce. You put a demand on Hagar, she could not produce the promise, she couldn't produce. You put a demand on your circumstances, they could not produce. He said, but I came up to show you that I'm El Shaddai. I need you now to put a demand on me, because if you put a demand on me, you're going to find out that I'm more than enough for what you need right now. And I don't know where you are in your life, but I'm here to tell you tonight, no matter what you're unique, because you know what, I think, I think that we think, and I can say that because I feel like I've done it myself, I think we think our circumstances are so peculiar sometimes that nobody gets it. Yeah. Hey, anybody follow? Anybody feel what I'm saying? It's like you're trying to tell somebody, and they're like, yeah, I understand. Like, no, you don't get it. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but what I like about God is if nobody else gets you if nobody else understands he knows exactly what that child needs he knows exactly what she needs he knows exactly what he needs and he knows exactly how to satisfy your need and not just to satisfy but to show you that in your need he's not just sufficiency he's not just enough he is more than enough and you can go through scripture and God has confirmed it for us time and time again because when Israel would rise up out of Genesis and go out of out of Egypt in, in, in Exodus we find out that in the middle of the wilderness when they did not have enough and there was no way to have food to eat that God provided manna from heaven and he said hold up once the manna landed once he gave instructions to Moses and said oh by the way I'm going to give you a heads up you're going to have leftovers this is what you're doing and why because the God that we serve is yet more than enough when the woman only had two two pieces of bread, some meal rather, and, and oil in a jug, and she was a widow woman in a famine, and everything else was shut down, and everybody else was dead in her village. She didn't have enough for her and her son, and she was about to give up. She was about to throw in the towel. She was ready to die. Here comes the prophet showing up, and he shows her, hey, if you just give to me first, God's going to bless you and your son, and God sustained you with more than enough, not just to make it one day, not just to make it two days, not just to make it three days, but the entire time of the famine. Why? Because the God that we serve is more than enough. When David was in trouble, he said God led him and then God prepared a table before him in the face of his enemies and that God anointed his head with oil my cup runs over why? because God is more than enough I need somebody to understand tonight that God is more than enough at Calvary at Calvary when I deserve death when you deserve death, when we were lost in sin and trespass, Jesus showed up at Calvary. The perfect sacrifice was more than enough to attain your salvation. That's the God we serve. 
I don't care what area you feel like you're not enough. He is more than enough. So the trick is for me not to look to my own, my own sufficiency, but to look to God's sufficiency. If I can look to God's sufficiency, I can receive more. He has more for me. You know, you, you're not here by accident. You're not on earth by accident. You're not alive by accident. You know, sped up the clock. I thought it was 10 minutes. <laughs> well, start at 825. Rewind and start at 825. Okay. <laughs> I was working hard to get to 830. Y'all don't know. I'm sweating. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want to encourage y'all come on up here. I want to encourage you guys tonight. Don't downsize based on your inadequacy. Did you hear what I just said? Don't downsize what you can have, who you can be, the, the doors he can open for you based on what you can do. It's not based on what you can do. It's based on what Christ has already done for you and what he wants to do in your life. We're going to be expanding a bit tomorrow. Y'all can stand on your feet tonight. And I'm going to be talking to you about the three things that you've got to do to receive more. There's three things that God wants to do as it relates to more and what you've got to do to receive it. But I want to pray tonight. I want, to, I want you to be encouraged tonight. Shift what you've been thinking about from your insufficiency to God's sufficiency. The enemy would love for you to get trapped in what you can do and how you can fix it or how you can't. I feel old. I'm looking over my glasses. Jesus. Mm. For the God that we serve, he's more than enough. He's just waiting on you to put that demand on him, to desire it enough. You know, the old expression my mother used to say, I know you all know this one, you can lead a horse to water. And sometimes God has allowed circumstances and situations in our lives to lead us the hard situations and brokenness and what have you to lead us back to him who is the water. So don't turn away. Drink. Drink from the fountain that you'll never run dry. He has exactly what you need. You belong to him. You're not orphans. You're children of God. Heirs. Kings and priests unto God. We don't have to settle for less. We can walk in everything that God has for us. And we can live a fulfilled life. Amen? Amen. 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 I want to pray for you this tonight, and then I also want to extend to you that might be here tonight that you don't have to exit this year or go into next year unsure about the most important thing in the world. 
that's not your football team. That's not the economy. It's your soul. All right, everybody in here needs to be standing flat-footed with complete certainty about your salvation. Everything else, for the most part, can be replaced. And what I know about God is he's open and ready to receive, to forgive, and to love on you. So let's start there first tonight. Bow your heads with me. If you don't know the Lord as Savior and the pardon of your sins, he has already paid the debt. He just needs you to receive that tonight. You don't know him like that. I want to open up the, this moment for you to make a decision. Try Jesus. You've tried everything else. Family, friends, substances. Try Jesus. Father, we thank you for your spirit being here tonight. Thank you for this opportunity to do what the word says. Seek you while you might be found. Lord, I pray that the spirit of God begins to tug on the hearts and minds of those that are present, young and old, male and female. Father, I pray that you would do a work, that you would draw people unto yourself tonight, that every excuse that comes in the corridor of our minds and of our hearts would be mute in the name of Jesus.